Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Milberg. I'm Harold Nickel. Last week, Ren talked about a specific example of governance failures at the Dow Chemical Company involving their CEO, Andrew Liveris. This week, Ren is going to continue with that thread and discuss Agile and governance for a broader group of companies, not just one in particular. And Ren, I know that this is a place where two of your areas of expertise, both Agile and governance, kind of intersect. So let's begin, though, with the basics. Why does governance matter? Sure. Um, Remember that an easy definition of governance is um, the policies, practices, and procedures that protect stakeholder assets and stakeholder is a fairly broad term. Um, It includes employees as well as customers and shareholders and a a larger community that could be impacted um, by the performance of an organization. And that's really why governance matters. It talks about protecting assets and being really mindful of how we use assets and the results that we create. So when we're talking about most organizations that are going to be using agile agile practices, we're really talking about governance in terms of how they're investing their money, mm-hmm. the focus on that investment, and ultimately the results that they're trying to create versus the results that they actually create. And governance helps us make those investment decisions, but also to come back and assess our performance against our intentions. Well, so that's a pretty good explanation, and it really does sum up that the fact that governance is important not just for small groups, but for Mm -hmm. darn near anybody who's involved with any company or, or organization. So let's talk more specifically about Agile governance. What is Agile governance and and how does it differ from regular or, I don't know, plain plain old governance? (laughs) Well, plain old governance, um, if you will, um, is very broad. So it can look at any number of activities, including things like... um, uh, compensation and um, like last week we were talking about um, in, in particular a CEO um, who has been accused multiple times using the company assets for personal benefit right. and and um, has at least admitted guilt in one small um, sector of that. Mm-hmm. Um, agile governance actually becomes much more uh, focused the big word in Agile, focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and the focus is on business value, defining business value and also achieving business value. And what is business value differs um, across companies. I worked with one company that what they do is they produce software. Mm-hmm. And so the business value is pretty specific. Um, it's fairly narrow. And, um, and another company that I work with is, or several companies I work with are in financial services. So they have a much broader um, focus that has to include regulatory concerns, um, the changing litigation 
um, marketplace. Uh, you know, a lot of, as well as security issues, they have a lot of other things that they need to consider when defining business value. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, as we like to say amongst ourselves, um, business value is not getting sued. Mm. Well, that's important. <laughs> it's not just revenue. Sometimes it's avoiding problems right. to begin with. Well, okay. That's, uh, I think not getting sued is an admirable goal. Um, <laughs> so how does uh, Agile governance help make uh, an individual project or, or projects successful for us? Sure. Um well, first of all, we try to avoid the project word in Agile because we're really focused on um, teams or a team of teams and the work that they're um, doing and, and the value they're trying to create. But what Agile governance does is it helps us to focus our attention um, and create a way that we can get fast, frequent feedback with the lowest investment possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, what we're trying to achieve with Agile is the greatest business value with the least investment. Um, And that's a huge part of the governance practices that we have at the team level and the team of team levels for Agile. So we have short sprints where we have a time box that we do work. We review that work at the end of the sprint. And so we know in a very short period of time, usually the standard is two weeks, some organizations three weeks, Mm -hmm. Um, but we know very quickly um, the feedback, I should say. We get the feedback very quickly at the end of that time box, and we do that frequently. Uh, It's very different than traditional project management where we can work on projects for months and months and months before we get feedback and determine if we're going to get what we need out of our investment. With Agile, we usually know within a couple of sprints how we're doing. Yeah, I think that, you know, just, and it's just my opinion or observation, but the opportunity to get feedback that quickly has to be a real, a real plus. Is there a Mm -hmm. difference between Agile governance then at the very basic team level and the larger big company level. Can you have one without the other? What we've seen over the last 10 years or so is that, no, you can't have one without the other. And I think that's true of regardless of what methodology you have, but it's very transparent with Agile. So at the simplest terms, at the team level, we talked about you know the sprints, and um, one of the things we do with user stories, remember, is that the design, build, and test is all completed in one user story, mm-hmm. always completed within one sprint. Um, testing is a form of governance. It's probably the lowest level of governance. In Agile, we also do automated testing, mm-hmm. um, again, to have that low investment fast, frequent feedback. Um, and it's done at the, the smaller level, but it's small solutions that we add together to support a larger goal or larger business value. It's the board and the executive team who define that larger goal. Mm-hmm. But the board and the executive team are also responsible for maintaining the system that all these agile teams are working and making sure that the system is healthy. Um, looking for systemic 
roadblocks to um, success, um, infrastructure issues, um, the ability to do automated testing, um, that the teams have the right coaching, that there is a runway, architectural runway, that there's a strong product um, backlog and program backlog. You know, those kind of things the board is um, highly responsible for. And without those larger goals, then the teams really don't have the answer why for mm-hmm. what they're doing. They also don't have clear direction that they can align and synchronize to in order to be successful. So we need to have both. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and what I try to work with my clients is implementing tools and uh, very standardized governance practices so that we have that clear transparency top to bottom mm-hmm. and bottom to top. Yeah, that's uh, very thorough. Um, I'm thinking, though, and I'm playing a little bit of the devil's advocate this week <laughs> <laughs> with respect to the success factors for governance. How does Agile make a difference when we're talking about just the difference between being successful or not? It actually can be pretty huge. Traditional governance and for traditional project management is mostly about schedule and cost. Um, We look at the business value or the ROI, if you will, that we want from a project at the very beginning, but we don't have a way of evaluating. There just isn't a way, actually, Mm -hmm. of evaluating our performance against that ROI until it's implemented and actually until some time after it's implemented. So what happens on boards and and with executive teams, and I've spent a lot of time on those, so I know from personal experience, Mm -hmm. that all of our governance reports and everything we talk about is schedule and cost and after the initial investment is made. And then we come back as quickly as we can after the project's gone live and talk about business value again. But let's be honest, at that time, the average time for most uh, traditional projects is 18 months. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. It's a long time. Um, And it's usually about another year, uh, six months to a year, before companies can evaluate the performance of that project. So you're looking at two years um, gap between when you initially made the business value investment to when you can actually assess the performance. Mm -hmm. Um, By that time, uh, most of us have already forgotten (laughs) what the project was supposed to do. Um, You laugh, but it's sad (laughs) but true. And it's actually one of those conversations that executives have with each other and not very often with with uh, people outside that group because yeah. we all know it's true, and it's it's not a fun thing to have to admit. Agile governance for this kind of work is completely different because what we do is we fix the schedule, mm-hmm. so everybody's on the same sprint schedule. We fix cost for a defined period of time, so we know we're going to keep our headcount the same. Um, usually it's six to 12 months. And then what we get to focus on on the board and on and executives is the business value we're trying to produce through these teams. 
and looking at the system and how we can improve the system so that we can create greater value with the same fixed time frame and the same fixed um, schedule or, or, sorry, cost or budget. Mm-hmm. Um, it completely, radically changes the conversation. First of all, it's a lot easier. Um, yeah. We're not arguing over, you know, 5% headcount variances, which annoys the crap out of every single executive yeah. ever. Um, we also have fewer variables that we're trying to control for. One of the things that we executives spend a lot of time on is trying to control for attrition, which we have no control over, hmm. and trying to control uh, resource costs, which we have really honestly no control over. The market drives resource costs. We don't. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to um, you know, manage schedules for these large programs. And the truth is the work's done when the work's done. And you can throw as many bodies at it as you can afford, but it doesn't change the schedule. It actually usually makes it go longer. Mm -hmm. Um, More people as yet to solve (laughs) any significant business problem. Um, So we take a lot of those variables out of the system with Agile and we focus on the things we can control. Evaluating business value and whether or not that's the right investment because Mm. we're getting fast, frequent feedback. And also looking at the system and continuing to fine-tune it so that we get rid of as many of the systemic barriers for the teams as humanly possible. No such thing as a perfect system. No. As all my clients know, one of my mantras is perfection is not an option. Um, But we can work very hard to fine-tune the system so that we make um, being productive and being engaged as easy as possible for our team. Yeah, that's so well said. And um, I laughed because, like you say, everybody has been part of a team or a group where what they call in in the government mission creep – has come in and you've lost focus around what it was you mm-hmm. were originally trying to do. But Well, and that's where Agile Governance actually gives the board and the executives more control on the outcomes. Yeah, that's, and it's, um, like you say, it's not a perfect system, but, you know, it's pretty darn good. But let me go back to my role as a uh, um, <laughs> contrarian this week and, okay. and talk about... Uh, the fact that governance tends to feel like oversight, bureaucracy, and a lot of top-down direction that will often hinder the progress of an individual Agile team. Am I right to uh, be wary of of the role of oversight and governance? Uh, yeah, no, and yes. Okay. <laughs> I switched it up on you and said oh. yes and no, no and yes. No, because um, we have to have some form of governance. We're talking about somebody investing money in um, an agile team or a team of teams. And that investment in and of itself requires some degree of uh, governance. And I understand there's at least one of the people who created the Agile Manifesto, who tends to be a bit of a purist when it comes to Agile. 
and tends to think that we can have agile teams working on stuff without governance, that they will be completely um, self-managing. And I just, as long as they're using someone else's money, Uh that's never going to be the case. If they're pooling their own money, fine, whatever, who cares, right? Right, that's right. But that's just not the real world. The real world is that someone else is going to be signing their paychecks. And so that someone else is going to require some degree of governance to make sure that they're getting what they deserve. Well, That's the no. The yes, though, let me explain that is. Sure, sure. Traditional governance over agile is bureaucratic and is a hindrance, excuse me, to Mm -hmm. progress. It doesn't work because traditional governance is worried in, you know, traditional project management style governance is obsessed with the schedule, agile, the schedule's fixed. It's obsessed with headcount and resource capacity and utilization. Again, that's fixed. Right. So if you're asking your agile leadership those two questions every week and asking them to give you status reports on those two things every week, then yes, it's it's governance without any value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the worry card in that deck is um, hindering that independence or uh, ability of, of the individual Agile team to, to do what it needs to do. And I that kind of leads me to the next question around independence. If an Agile team is truly independent, then why does it even need governance? Well, again, if they're um, spending someone else's money, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that organization or that person is going to want to get value out of that um, investment. Mm-hmm. And first of all, without governance, there is no communication around what is that business value. And without governance, you don't have things like um, testing, acceptance criteria, retros, demos, etc., because every single one of those things are governance. And yes, there are governance at the um, team level, uh-huh. but it's still governance. I mean, one of the things I like to talk to um, my clients about is how acceptance criteria on a user story is the lowest and potentially most meaningful form of governance in their Agile organization. If that acceptance criteria is right mm-hmm. um, on every user story and your test results are correct, um, your success rate is going to be in the 90s or higher. Um, so that's incredibly powerful. And that's why these teams aren't ever really independent, by the way, too. We always see self-organizing versus independent mm-hmm. because you're not just building something for the heck of it. We're building something to either create a business opportunity or solve a problem. And so we have to have interaction with the customers, with the people who are going to be using what we're building. And in that regard, that's a form of governance. governance, And it also means that they're never truly independent. So, again, unless a team is self-financing and they're the only ones who are going to use what they build, Mm -hmm. there has to be some need for some degree of governance. Well, Ren, I think you've done, as usual, a really good job of helping us understand how governance and agile teams need each other and 
how in a place where you're spending other people's money, you have to have a form of governance. So with the time that we have left, the boundaries between what I consider to be burdensome top-down governance and creative agile teams, where is the boundary between those two? Um, governance is largely defined um, by the executive team and is owned by the board, right? And so what I would challenge them with this question is asking themselves whether or not the governance they have in place is adding value. Mm -hmm. Well, All governance should. Um, and if it isn't, then, you know, we're probably on that burdensome, we're probably doing this, you know, check, be a check mark on somebody's checklist somewhere right. um, versus really making sure that everything that we're doing is driving results and is protecting stakeholder assets. Well, as always, Ren, you've helped us really get a better understanding of the role of governance and the creative individual Agile team. And for people who are interested in hearing you speak about these things live and in person, you have a speech coming up this summer. Tell us about that. Um, yes, I'm going to be speaking about Agile in general, not governance, but just Agile at the Rally On conference. It's in Phoenix, uh, June 15th to the 17th. And how can people sign up? They, you can sign up online. Uh, at rallyon.com, um, and uh, it's really open to um, anybody who is working with Agile or is interested in working with Agile. There's different tracks for executives, leaders, uh, different team members, etc. And last week you were part of a webinar. Tell us about that. Sure. I worked with a, a good colleague of mine, uh, Lance Ching, and we presented a one-hour webinar. Uh, it was free to everyone, just talking about uh, faith. And last week, you were part of a webinar. Tell us about uh, tell us about that. Yes, my uh, colleague Lance Chang and I did a webinar on safe, and I I call it a teaser. It was just one hour um, free to all attendees to learn about SAFE and hopefully encourage them to want to learn more about SAFE and to consider implementing it in their organizations. Uh, we will be, uh, or I will be, posting the recording and uh, the presentation on the website in the very near future. And when we have that recording available, of course, we'll let everybody know about that via Ren's website at mm -hmm. Com. And remember, if you want to be in touch with Ren directly, you can go to her website, which is renmelberg.com. We know that we have listeners from SoundCloud and iTunes. Not everybody gets the podcast right off of the website. So www.renmelberg.com is the place to go. And of course, remember that to be in touch with Ren, you can go directly to her website at renmelberg.com. And when we have that recording and information from that webinar available, we'll put that information there. And if you just want to be in touch with Ren directly, that's also the place to go, www.renmelberg.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember to come back next week for another edition of The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg.